Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. This is Frank McKay, and my very special guest is Kramer. Uh, not much of an explanation normally needed there, but this is the original, the real deal, Kenny Kramer. Kenny, how are you? How you going, man? Doing good. I do you do you go by do you go by Kramer or do you go by Kenny Kramer? What do you go by? Well professionally I'm the real Kramer. And uh, when my friends talk to me they call me Kenny. When they talk about me they call me Kramer. All right. Now how did the whole process start as far as uh, as far as when you came in? Who who was it? My evolution, my evolution from Kenny Kramer to the real Kramer. Yeah, well, the I, I was gonna, I was gonna say a little, little later than that. When did Seinfeld uh, or Larry David uh, pick up on you and say, you know, this is this is a guy we're gonna use for a character? And then the second part of that is, did they uh, let you know as they were doing this that that? Uh, yeah, well, first, first of all, let me explain. Larry's an old friend of mine. I did stand-up for many years, and I know him from that world of stand-up. We, we met, like, around 1974. In about uh, 1977, we moved into the same building at about the same time. Uh, and, you know, we've been good, fast friends since. He, he, he moved to L.A. for a couple of years to do a show called Fridays, and when he wanted to get back to New York, I finagled him to be able to get the apartment across the hall from me. So Larry was living across the hall from me for about five and a half, six years. When Jerry approached him that NBC was interested in the show, Larry helped him to create something. And, you know, Larry came up with this idea for a show about nothing. And he based the character Jerry on Jerry and George on himself. And he laid on a platonic ex-girlfriend of his. And it, he came over one day and said, Kramer, this pilot I'm writing, I want to base a character on you called Kramer. Is that okay? And I said, certainly, as long as I get to play Kramer. And he and he said, you can't be Kramer. And I said, but I am Kramer. <laughs> so he said, look, I'm just writing a pilot with Jerry. I have no say if it's even ever going to become a pilot. It's just a script. And I have no say about who they're going to cast. So I but I would do want to base a character on you and call him Kramer. I said, okay, I understand. Go ahead, do whatever you want to do. And that's how it came to and, me. And it's the, it was the runaway character of the uh, of the show. It was just an incredible character. It, everyone loved him. And uh, how accurate did you think the depiction was? Well, you know, Larry knows me like a book. So the thing that he, you know, incorporated into the character that he wrote was a lot of me, the golf, the entrepreneurism, the hot tubs, the, you know, so, you know, a lot of that, that's all me. But of course, Michael Richards, when he was cast to, to play Kramer, knew it was based on Larry's friend. And he, you know, intentionally did no research, wanted to know nothing about me, wanted to do his own thing and create this character, you know, himself. So the words and the plots and things that happened in real life that became episodes on the show that's all from real life but of course I walk around like a normal human being you know Michael Richards is a brilliant physical comedian and had I played Kramer this show could have gone down the tubes because I would have never thought of doing eccentric physical stuff the way Michael does and that was the ingredient that made the character so popular and really made the show such a hit how far back do you go with Larry David I'm sorry how what 
How far back do you go with Larry David? How much has he changed over the years? He's had some unbelievable success. He's only changed in the sense that, you know, he's very successful. Uh, he has a lot more confidence than he did in those days. And uh, But you know what? He's, I'm very proud to say Jerry also. They're both the same guys that I've known for 30-something years. I mean, you know, he drives his own car. He still has T-shirts that he wears from the 70s. He's, you call up, he answers the phone, you call him back, you leave a message, he calls you back within 24 hours. I mean, you know, he has the same friends. Jerry also, the same friends they've had, you know, for the last 30, 40 years. Uh, it's nice to see that Larry... It really hasn't affected either of them in terms of who they are and, and, and the kind of friends they are, uh, regardless of the fact that they're well on their way to being billionaires. Let me remind people that this is Frank McKay, but more importantly, Kramer, the real Kramer, Kenny Kramer, is our very special guest. And Kenny, let's do a little bit of your history, if you don't mind. Where did you start out? Where were you born? Where did you raised? Where were you raised? Uh, I'm a New York kid. I grew up in the Bronx, a mile from Yankee Stadium, which by birthright makes me a Yankee fan. Um, and let's see. I started out as a musician. I was a percussionist. I went to the high school of performing arts. And at the age of 15, I lied about my age and got a gig as a, a musician in a band in the Catskill Mountains. And, uh, you know, I was making maybe a hundred bucks a week to work six nights a week. And Saturdays, I had to go in for rehearsal because there was a show on Saturday night. And on Saturday night, they would walk a comedian, you know, who would talk for 45, 55 minutes. People would laugh. He got paid 500 bucks and he left to go somewhere else, do another show. And I figured then, boy, that seems like a pretty good job compared to what I'm doing. And it took, it took me a lot of years to get to do it. But by the age of 27, I became a stand-up comic and made a living doing stand-up. Uh, I was... Uh, I had a little niche that I, I call myself a, a rock concert comedian. And I was doing a lot of stand-up in Miami. I was living in the Coconut Grove, Florida. And, you know, I go out and do shows, and I was like in my uh, late 20s, early 30s, and the audiences I was entertaining were like in their 60s, 70s, 80s, you know. And I figured if I could be a success by the time I'm peaking, this audience is going to be deceased. And so I switched my act around, and I, I, you know, the topics I dealt with were mostly dope, sex, and rock and roll. And I called myself a rock concert comedian, and I found some maniac <laughs> agent who bought into it, and he was in a position that he was able to put me as an opening actor on shows that, like, you know, I toured with bands like Uriah Heep and Jay Giles and Ike Katina and, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different rock acts, uh, Three Dog Night. And, and I worked as, a, as an opening act or sometimes a middle act in these rock concerts playing arenas, you know, 10, 12 to see venues. And I started carving out, you know, a nice little leap for myself with the kind of material I was doing. And, uh, then unexpectedly, I got custody of my daughter, who at the time was five years old. 
and I kind of had to change my whole lifestyle because I didn't have a place to live for like the previous three, four years. I was just on the road with dads, you know, staying in hotels and not having my own apartment anywhere and, you know, getting custody of this little girl meant that I had to have a place to live and I had to be there to take her to school and pick her up and, you know, so on. So my whole lifestyle changed and uh, I was back in Miami doing shows and, uh, you know, that's, that's what was going on and until I invented this electronic jewelry item that uh, started spinning like crazy, you know, and, and you know, I, I was the first guy that had little pinpoints of red light powered by uh, battery, by hearing aids that powered LEDs and made them into earrings. And I ended up with this business making tons of money. And uh, I was like, you know, I, I did it for a number of years and it got knocked off. And of course, they were making it better than I could make it. They were, you know, doing it in Korea or Japan or wherever the hell they were making it. And my competitors were being much more creative than, than my stuff was. And so I just retired. And I was happily retired, you know, raising my daughter. And, you know, she got into the sport of martial arts and she became a national champion. And we traveled around the country doing that. I only wish she had taken up golf or tennis because there's really no money in martial arts. And, and, uh, and that's what I was happily retired. And Larry asked if he could make a character on me. And next thing I know, a few years later, this character is the biggest thing in the history of neighbors of on television and I decided if I don't cash in on it I'm a complete idiot and so I created the Kramer Reality Tour which any of your listeners can look up or just look up Kenny Kramer give us a website give us a website where people can look up your tour KennyKramer.com will get you all kinds of information about the tour that I do for Seinfeld fans which is now in its 19th year this is the longest I've ever done anything in my life but I only do it in the summertime and in the winter holiday season. The rest of the year, I take off. I work about four months a year. It's much like the character Kramer, I have a very little work ethic. <laughs> if one of the things that are true with the character, that would be one of the big ones. I've heard people that have gone on the tour, they said it's terrific. I mean, even non-Seinfeld uh, uh, fans loved it. And Yeah, no, it's true. It's a lot of fun. I, I have to say, I wouldn't be in business selling out every week for 19 years without doing any advertising. It's all word of mouth and people have a blast because, you know, I still have all the chops of a comic and I tell these stories of all the things that happened in real life and how they became episodes or I show videos and and then I take them on a bus. When this happens, I do an hour of stand-up in the theater and then I put them on a bus, a big field. It's not a yellow school bus because, you know, the two was schools on Seinfeld when Kramer started the Peterman reality tour. <laughs> but uh, I take them for uh, for for soup at the soup kitchen, the original soup Nazi location, and I tell them a bunch more funny stories and show them videos. And three three and a half hours later, I say goodbye, and everyone always has a great time. That's the way it is. It, it, I live on word of mouth, and I get fabulous word of mouth. But nobody, everybody loves it. If people don't like the tour, we kill them. 
<laughs> well, listen, if you're just and tuning that, in. That keeps the word of mouth positive, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if you're just tuning in, Frank McKay here, but more importantly, Kenny Kramer, the real Kramer, and it, the character, the great character, uh, unforgettable character. I, I'm sure if, if they've done polls, that he's he's got to be in top 10 of just about every, every poll there is. Uh, character was based on this gentleman Kenny Kramer the real Kramer and you could actually go on his bus tours and check him out and really I, what an what an incredible incredible storied life you've had I mean it's just an amazing just an amazing story well, one day it'll all be in the book <laughs> yeah, I mean have you you haven't done a book yet not yet. I've been waiting, living my life, having fun, and I'm kind of at the point now where I realize that I do have quite a story to tell. Um, you know, I've given you the highlights, but I mean, there's all kinds of anecdotal stuff that happened in between that some is serious, some is sensitive, and some is hilariously funny. And uh, it's about time that I, uh, I think that I uh, chronicle this you know, and, and create a book. So uh, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Did you ever? This is a question of finding a really good writer who's because I'm kind of scattered. I need somebody who's disciplined who can, you know, create the transitions and you know turn my story into something. Did you ever lay it out? Have you ever laid it out like uh, you know in some type of notebook or anything like that? You know, segmented. I just. I just did it for you. You got it on your show now. <laughs> I'll send you a link to it. You can send it to a writer. Yeah. I appreciate it. I, I imagine people be lined up to, to write that. You know how many Seinfeld fans there, there are? I mean, it's... Uh, well, for your little cigar years, let's hope a publisher heard this conversation. Yeah, I, I, I know a couple. I'll, we'll talk We'll talk in between, uh, you know, in between <laughs> things. But anyway, Kenny Kramer, once again, is our very special guest. Uh, when... When the show was at its height, did you reach out to Larry David or, or to Jerry Seinfeld and, and say, hey, guys, uh, get me in there, slip me in there somewhere? No, actually, you know, my relationship with Larry is like, you know, he's, he's always been and he still is to this day a very good friend. And uh, it was ready to reach out when the show was in production. I used to go out there and hang out. I'd stay at Larry's house and hang out on the set. And then became friendly with the cast and spent a lot of time with the craft services because they put in fabulous food all day long. And it was a lot of fun. And I was out there for the filming, I don't know, maybe four or five episodes. And, uh, you know, but uh, there's no need to reach out. There they were. <laughs> was there any talk or any thought about you playing the guy that ended up playing Michael Richards in the pilot. It's confusing, but you know the the episode where they're making the pilot and they and the guy yeah, steals right, the right. Actually, 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 you know, I was out there for the filming of that. Uh, it was uh, when when they're doing Jerry. The show was in the show uh, that episode. But when Larry told me that, you know, because I've been following the show, and you know, sometimes Larry would send me scripts in advance of, of them filming, you know. And uh, so I called him up when I knew that they were doing it. He invited me to come out to L.A. So that was the last episode, I think, of the fourth season. And he said, you know, come on out to L.A. And, you know, you'll be here for the rap party. We're going to have a big party at, uh, at, the, at the House of Blues. And it'll be great. So I said, sure. It's thanks for the invite. But let me ask you this. 
this is the episode where you're going to have Jerry the show with the show, right? Because he goes, yeah. I said, well, that means you got to have an actor who plays an actor playing Kramer, right? He goes, yeah. I said, well, do you think I could be right for that Kramer? And he says, be honest with you, I have someone much better than you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's a character based on me, has my name, and I'm not right for the part. But God bless Larry. I mean, the guy who played Kramer in that episode was great. I, I would never have been as good as he was. It's hard to second guess them on, on anything. I, you've got a great attitude about it. Uh, a lot of people might might be pissed off, but uh, you've uh, you've taken a great attitude about it. I, I wouldn't. Well, he's my friend, you know. How you can't. Can you be pissed off on somebody? I mean, he made it. He made creative decisions along the way that were all the right ones, you know. And you can't fault him for that. And you know, using the actor that he used to play Kramer in that episode of Steals the Raisins. I mean, that guy was great, and he looked like Michael. He looked like, way more like Michael than I did. Yeah, that was, that was terrific. It was just a just a terrific show. Uh, once again, a, great a reminder: Frank McKay here, but. Our special guest today is Kramer, the real Kramer, Kenny Kramer, and he was uh, was the gentleman that they based that they based the character of Kramer, Cosmo Kramer. Uh, yeah, where did they come up with Cosmo? What what happened with that? The, the inspiration. I was the inspiration for Kramer. The inspiration <laughs> for Kramer, but not Cosmo. Where the hell did that come up? That was just a- well. When I when I made the deal with him, if I had a license, the rights for them to base a character on me, because you can't just take a person's life and put it on a commercial television and not compensate them in some way. And so we had to have an agreement. Now, this Kramer is not the first Kramer that was based on me. A buddy of mine named Chris Thompson who created a show called Bosom Buddies, you might remember. Sure. Uh, he gave Tom Hanks his first job at show business. Well, one year Chris did a pilot called Temporary Insanity, which was about a bunch of wacky people running a temp agency. And he based a character on me and called him Kenny Kramer. And when I saw the pilot, it was so unfunny that I cringed every time Kenny Kramer was there. So when I had the opportunity to have another character based on me, I insisted that part of the agreement was that it could be called Kramer by itself or any other name, any other first name besides Kenny, Kenny or Kenneth. And so that's how... Um, that's how. That's the reason that there wasn't Kenny Kramer. There was Cosmo Kramer. And uh, in fact, interesting fact, you know, Larry show curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. His best friend on that show is uh, is Jeff uh, Gollin. Right? Jeff Gollin. No, 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 uh, no, no. Uh, his best friend is. Uh, um, the comedian uh, Richard Lewis. Oh, right, right. Richard Lewis played Kenny Lewis. No kidding. Wow. So, in the pilot of uh, No, I'm sorry. In the pilot of Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis played Kenny Kramer in the pilot of Temporary Insanity. Right, right, right. So it's a small world, a small circle. Have you ever done TV yourself? I have done numerous TV shots, numerous ones. Uh, probably hundreds of them, you know, because, uh, you know, in the years when, when Seinfeld was so hot and in the years when Seinfeld was going off the air, uh, you know, people were clamoring to me to be on television and you know, do segments for different shows. Now, hard copy, entertainment tonight, all of those shows. And, of course, I'm a member of SAG and after so uh, I was compensated for all that stuff. And actually, for a while there, I was doing segments called Kramer's New York for a good day New York on Fox 5 in New York City. I did about 15 of those 
segments. You know, it, it, was, it was called Kramer's New York, and a typical segment was where you can eat grapes for under $10. Or another segment would be like, what's New York's most expensive cup of coffee? And another segment would have been um, uh, something like, where are the best public restrooms in New York City, in Manhattan? Yeah. And in fact, some of them. George thing. Yeah. Some of them are on my website, uh, kennycraver.com. You could uh, possibly see it. Or if you just go to. Uh, to YouTube and Google Kenny Kramer. There's tons of stuff up there. Kenny Kramer is our very special guest. The real Kramer is our special guest. This is Frank McKay. We're coming right up on a break, and we'll be back right after this with the real Kenny Kramer. The real Kramer. Kenny Kramer. We'll be back right after this. Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. This is Frank McKay, and my very special guest is Kramer, the real Kramer, uh, Kenny Kramer, who inspired the character, the famous character, the beloved character of Seinfeld fame. And uh, Kenny, the the one, uh, the only downside that Michael Richards ever had was that meltdown of his on stage, which was a shame. You know, I, I you know I don't know much about Michael Michael Richards, but boy, it was it was just a meltdown. And I I, I don't know. Do you know Michael enough to know that was a? Uh, I know just, I, I know a great deal about it. In fact, on my website at kennycramer.com is a, a link to the, for the Michael Richards issue. And you could click on yeah. that and get the whole story. But just to give you the quick version of the story, Michael is not a racist. He grew up with lots of black friends. I've hung out with him. There's no way that he, you could really define him as a racist. What happened was Michael started doing stand-up. Now, he had only been doing stand-up for like six, five or six months. He had not been, you know, he's not a seasoned stand-up comic. And subsequently, he didn't have the chops to handle heckling. Now, that video that you saw, what you didn't see was the like 10 minutes that preceded that video in which these people were screaming stuff at him unmercifully, who has been, you know, cursing at him and get the hell off and all. You know, there was all that was going on prior to him having his tantrum. Now, when he had his tantrum, you know, he didn't have the chops as a comic to deal with a heckler because, you know, if you're a seasoned comic, you know, first of all, someone's heckling you. Anything you say, the audience is on your side, you know, and you just bury them, you know, and, and make them feel and look like idiots, and then the audience applauds because you're so clever and they're so stupid. The audience, I mean, the, the heckler, sure. not the audience. So he didn't have the, the, the chops for that. So what he did, if you watch it, he tried to make it into a bit, like a Lenny Bruce sort of bit and you see he's, he's trying to, to turn it into something funny but he just didn't have the skill or the right words to do it and it, you know once just one person with a, with a cell camera with a cell phone camera that captured that and of course it went viral the biggest mistake he made of it was instead of like you know showing some contrition and just having his agent the, the, the damage control was what was really screwed it up because instead of just having his agent say, Michael is terribly sorry, he's in rehab, you know, and he'll be coming out, you know, 
Right, new Michael. Like yeah, right. Instead, he went around kissing the butt of Al Sharpton and, uh, and all these black leaders, and that was absolutely the wrong way to go, you know? And so the damage control, I think, was what was really worse than the actual incident itself. Right, right. And uh, as I say, if you go to uh, Kramer, KennyKramer.com, there's a thing about the Michael Richards incident. In fact, uh, I don't know if you were a good buddy of mine named Rich Scheidner. He's a very, very funny be a very, very funny comedian. He wrote an op-ed piece about it that's also on my website. It's really worth reading. It explains the whole thing. I, I know the name. Have you ever had an experience on on stage while you're doing stand-up where you either just, you just lost it or you... Uh, you you're proud of the way you handle it. Was there a situation uh, where you could have melted melted down and you just handled it well? Well, you know, I spent some... I had a situation that sort of along the lines of what you're talking about. I spent some time opening for KISS before they were like megastars. It was like the KISS Alive, I think, was their first album. We were playing like 1,200 seat, 2,200 seat theaters. And uh, the KISS audience at the time were all, you know, heavy metal kids that were just, would time their drugs to be incoherent when the show started. You know, that kind of an audience. And, you know, and, and the, the lights would go down and I'd come out and they'd say, now please welcome yeah, sure. stand-up funny man Kenny Kramer. And I'd come out there and before I could even say good evening, as I say, can we be, feet started standing, kiss, 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 you know. <laughs> they, they were ready not to give me a chance whatsoever at all. So I said, okay, hold it. Let me talk for one yeah. second, okay? Now, you could yell and scream, but let me just say one thing. <laughs> I am the opening act for this show. Kiss doesn't come on until I'm finished, okay? So understand this. When I decide, then I'm finished. So if you want to see Kiss, if I were you, I would shut up and start laughing my ass off or it's going to be a very long night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> of course, I used some profanity in there. Sure, I yeah. cleaned it up a little for you. But it worked. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it, 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 it turned them from a, a crazy crowd into an actual audience. And then when I started doing my dope jokes, I won them. And, and so that, that was something I created that could have been a disaster every opening show, but I was able to figure out the formula to turn a crowd of whacked out, quaaluded, doped out kids into an audience. Yeah, well, that's that's terrific. That's uh, that's, that's having good for the book, right? That yeah, should be in the book. That that has to be in the book. Right. No about in fact, there is a book about Kiss, the history of Kiss, where they talk about me being the opening act of a show they did in I don't know Pennsylvania or something like that. With the... how many shows did you play with Kiss? Um. I think I, I don't know. A bunch of them. <laughs> My agent controlled them. So, you know, and this is, I was a guy named Ron Sunshine who was their manager and he loved me. And they, uh, they, they were, uh, you know, on their way up. But as I say, they were like small venues. They weren't the kids that they are today or they became. Wow, that's, it's amazing. You've had a storied life. If you're listening in or you're just tuning in this is frank mckay but more importantly kenny kramer the real kramer the gentleman who who influenced the 
uh, the the great character of Kramer from Seinfeld, which was really, I mean, the, the breakout character. And that's, you know, that's due to you and that's due to Larry, uh, uh, Jerry, and obviously uh, Michael uh, Richards. I had a little bit with Michael also, we should yeah. mention. Yeah, well, but, but I was saving him for last. Unquestionably, the character Kramer on television is the most famous, most popular next-door neighbor character in the history of television. We're talking about some great next-door neighbors there, like Ed Norton and, and you know, Fred Mertz. Fred, Fred, exactly. But but don't forget now, unlike those shows, Seinfeld is seen in 90 countries throughout the world on a regular basis. Sometimes two, three episodes a day are being aired. And, uh, you know, those other shows never had that kind of exposure worldwide. I mean, I've toured Australia where I I played all the capital cities that sold out everything. I mean, they love Seinfeld there. It's amazing. And now, fortunately, they love me too. But uh, the, the popularity throughout the world, and people originally would say, who's ever going to get this show except New Yorkers, you know? And and if we learn anything, we learn that funny is innately funny. I mean, the shows are hit in Korea. The shows are hit in Brazil. The shows are hit in Germany. All these countries, the people love the show. And on my tour, I get people now from around the world. And when I started out, it was just New York. I don't get New Yorkers on the tour, I'm sorry to say. I wish I could get more people, but yeah, New York is like, no, I'm going to go on a, a tour to see New York. <laughs> you know, I know New York. I don't, you know, but, you know, it's, it's really, for New York, as first, it's very entertaining. It's a lot of fun. And people pass a lot of these locations that I point out all the time and don't realize, you know, oh, that's the building where George has sex on the desk with the cleaning lady. You know, that's where Mr. Pitt lived, or, you know, things like that. So the thing, the point I'm making is that maybe my audience got 5% New Yorkers, uh, 40%, well, you know, about 60, 60% are American tourists and the balance are all international tourists, people from all over the world. And and this last summer, uh, in my audience, you know, Sony is the syndicator for all of South America. They play Seinfeld uh, twice a day. They do it with subtitles and they, and they do it also dubbed. And, and, and there's a show that you could see. It's on YouTube. It's called From Cosmo, From Kenny to Cosmo. It, it was like the bonus footage for the Seinfeld DVDs. And there's a 20 min, 22 minute segment called From Kenny to Cosmo. 22 minutes is exactly the time that the 30 minute uh, television show is. If you have the eight minutes of titles. An extra episode. It's a, it's right. a hidden so it's, episode. So, it, so what they did, they made that an episode in South America, and it was like in heavy airplay. It still is. They keep showing Kenny the Cosmo you know, once or twice a week on, on Sony. So in this last year, in the summertime, I've been getting people from Mexico, Ecuador, Brazil, Paraguay, Argentina, you know, all, you know, all English speaking uh, natives of those countries because Sony has been continually airing that segment and my tour and pictures of me and the bus and the crowd are in the segment so uh, I've been very fortunate that 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 has happened. Let me preface this next question by saying not specific, I'm not asking you to be specific and we're not being nosy here but is this the deal you made with them for your for your character being used, the rights to your character being used, is this still resulting in mailbox money? I mean, you you go to your mailbox and you get Seinfeld checks. <laughs> no, I, I have no residuals. I made a deal with that. First of all, I understand that when I made this deal and I licensed this rights to them, nobody knew what the heck this was going to be. You know, yeah, of course. It was like they did the pilot, in which the character was called Kessler. 
Because Kramer, and nobody knew if that pilot would even air. So when they had to come to me, they, they, they got the order. After they did the pilot, they got an order to do four shows, which is like the smallest order in the history of television. And, <laughs> and you know, four shows, I think of what. So, but uh, it came about because there was an executive at, at NBC that loved the idea. It was Rick Ludwin, and uh, he was uh, he was the vice president of, of, of late night television and TV specials, and he took the budget out of his out of his budget for TV specials because originally it was going to be a special, it was going to be a summer special, and. Uh, and so he championed it and got them to make four test shows. And so that's when they had to come to me and say, we want to call the character Kramer, and we made like a little deal where I got enough money to last a lifetime, unless I wanted to buy food. In that event, <laughs> I was totally screwed. <laughs> well, well what, who, when you say they came to you, who came to you? Larry and, and Jerry came to you, or, or you just got no, a phone call? No, after Larry asked if he could do it, and I said yes, then it was like, you know, the uh, the business affairs person from Castle Rock, which is a production right. company. He's the fellow I was dealing with, lovely guy. And he said, submitted a contract to me with a you know, good amount of money uh, for the exclusive rights to my life story in perpetuity. That was the way the contract read. So when I looked wow. up this word perpetuity, I realized <laughs> that's longer than a long time. <laughs> so, so they rewrote the agreement. The guy named Jess Wittenberg, lovely guy. I think he still works for Castle Rock. So when they, I had to rewrite the agreement that said all rights I granted to them were granted on a non-exclusive basis, and I retained the rights to my character, my life stories, to exploit in any and all media throughout the universe, which was the legal terminology of the day because the internet didn't really exist as a big deal, but you know. But that, but that terminology, any and all media throughout the universe covers, you know, streaming and whatever. And so, because of that agreement, I'm the only, probably the only guy in the world that could be doing a Seinfeld tour, you know, uh, or exploiting real Kramer, Kramer from Seinfeld using, you know, this, this, this information and, and not get cease and desist orders, you know what I mean? I'm legally within my rights to do this. Not that they would ever think of, of a cease and desist because Larry and Jerry are friends. Castle Rock has been very friendly to me. I did the bonus footage for their DVDs. NBC I've always had a good relationship with, you know, as far as selling some of my products at the NBC store. So, uh, you know, that's the situation, but that's how, uh, that's how it came about financially again frank mckay here with kramer with the real kramer kenny kramer influenced the character of influences even too too uh, small a word for it i mean they based the character of kramer on i inspired the character inspired there we go and so and and they've got it uh, in perpetuity boy you yeah. talk about selling your your life story i mean you couldn't do it any better than that i mean that was great uh -huh. uh, let Right, let's just ask this though if you were in a situation knowing what you know now right, you, you definitely would have asked for a residual right well if I knew that I was going to be in a show first of all you couldn't know I mean because shows with like big stars fail you know seriously yeah I know, but still this, this who, is, who, right. who would imagine that this show that Larry David who I I never imagined Larry could get his sense of humor on television I love Larry I love his sense of humor but I thought that no network is going to let this guy put his sense of humor on TV and uh, how wrong I was when you consider that Larry wrote a show that the show only show he won an Emmy for was called The Contest. That 
that was yeah, the episode. We're the four characters make a bet yeah. who could go the longest without treating their body as amusement parks. Now, <laughs> now, just think in the annals of television history, where just you know, not that long ago, Rob and Laura Petrie had to sleep in separate beds. You know, they had to have twin beds in their bedroom. And now you have a show in prime time on NBC where the storyline is the characters are betting who can go the longest without masturbating. But they never use the N word, you know. And so, and so when I say that, like you know, I never thought Larry's sense of humor could translate to, to commercial television. How wrong I was, because boy, it sure did. Well, you're not alone, right? Because they only gave him four episodes to do it. I mean, I never heard of anything like that. Well, you know what happened? Those four episodes, you know, they aired them and they got great reviews. They aired it as a summer, a summer replacement or something, and it got great reviews. And uh, NBC was like, I don't know, what are you saying? What should we do about this? And uh, Brian Tartikoff was the president of NBC then. He said, well, look, Brandon, nobody, right? Brandon, Brandon, Tartikoff? Brandon Tartikoff, right. And he said, look, nobody's going to get this with a New York Jew. You know, who's going to watch this thing? And Rick Rodwood said, look, I really think we got something here. Let's go for it. So they made an order for 13 shows. See, now, but when you buy the, the DVDs, the, the pilot episode and the first four test episodes they call them they call that the first season and then the 13 episodes they call that the second season now in those 13 episodes the show is getting good reviews but uh, you know the placement of the show it was like following Home Improvement which was the number one comedy on television it was the opposite Home Improvement and uh, you know and the show's getting great reviews but it's not getting ratings because everyone's watching Home Improvement it's the number one show the number one comedy on television so what happened is, again, Tartikoff saying, look, you know, and, and, and so Rick Ludwig, God bless him, said, listen, the show gets great reviews. People who are, are smart people who love this show. You know, can't we have one show because of the quality of it? Can't we just fight to try and let it find an audience, you know, rather than dump it because it's not getting the ratings? Look at the, look at the position it's in. And so it got itself a fourth season. Now, in the meantime, Larry's writing came together where he created kind of a formula, which was that when you see an episode, he would have generally four stories. There was an Elaine story, a Kramer story, a Jerry and a George story. And all these stories would be happening simultaneously, and then they'd all come together and converge in the restaurant, or something would happen that, like, they all came together. Like, he called that linkage. And so these stories would all be linked together. He came up with that formula, like, by the end of the third, going into the fourth season. And and then what happened was that uh, Cheers was the number one show on television. And um, NBC. What's that? Yeah, it was the NBC's yeah. number one comedy, Cheers, starring um, Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Shelley Long. Right. Okay. Now, because Cheers had so much power with NBC, that production company had the rights to the time slot that followed Cheers, which was a show called Wings. And when Ted, right? And now when Ted Danson decided that's it, I've added no more shows, they lost the proprietary rights to Wings. They lost that time slot. And some some smart suit at NBC said, well, let's throw Seinfeld in there to follow Cheers and see, like, you know, maybe you won't lose too much audience, you know? And they were looking to see just, just how much how much they would lose if, they, if Seinfeld followed wow. Cheers. What they found was Seinfeld was doing better numbers than Cheers. And, of course, all these geniuses said, 
all the suits and everything. He says, oh, we knew it all along. This is a great show. <laughs> and that's when, they, they really, that's when they really got behind it and realized they got something really special on their hands. But Ted Danson not quit when he did and trying to not get that time slot following the Cheers audience, which was basically intelligent people with a sense of humor that watched Cheers and discovered Seinfeld. We would never have a Seinfeld and there would never be a real Kramer. I would never have had this career that I lucked into. Uh, and, and listen, lucked into, but give yourself some credit. You got charisma. You got smarts. Uh, you're, you're okay, well, yeah, you know, guy. the thing is, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Robin Evans. Keep on, we got a minute and a half left. I think it was uh, Robin Evans Kramer. who said that luck, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And I was just right. fortunate that I was in a place where I had the chops for public speaking. I had the chops for business. I had the chops. You know, I just had a lot of skills that were all necessary for what I did. And I was just fortunate that there I was at the right place at the right time with the right skills and credentials that I was able to create this tour and make it into an industry. We got less than a minute left with the real Kramer. Kramer. So then it's time for me to do my shameless plugs? Go ahead, please. Okay. KennyKramer.com. That's that's where you can find out all sorts of information. There's all kinds of entertainment. If you want to see videos, YouTube, Kenny Kramer, there's tons of them there. And if you want to go on the Kramer Reality Tour, it's uh, go to KennyKramer.com and book it. But book in advance because I sell out all the time. And uh, you do need a reservation. And if you can't get to New York and do this, the Kramer Kramer Reality Tour DVD is also available on the website, KennyKramer.com. That's K-E-N-N-Y, K-R-A-M-E-R.com. How's that for shameless plugs? Incredible. Listen, what, what, a, what a life, what a career. Uh, honestly, fantastic. Congratulations on everything. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, giving me publicity. Who knows? Maybe I'll get some business from this, and maybe we'll find a publisher who'll be excited about giving me a million-dollar advance, and uh, life can go on. Well, don't don't hang up, uh, but we're done now. Kenny Kramer, thanks for being here. Oh, it was my pleasure, man. Thank you. Uh, this is Frank McKay. I want to thank all of you. KennyKramer.com. Please go there. Uh, check out his tour. Just an amazing character. One of those Smithsonian-type characters. They're going to put something of him in the uh, Smithsonian. Uh, just an amazing character who influenced and he inspired the great character of Kramer on one of the great shows of all time, Seinfeld. This is Frank McKay. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. KennyKramer.com. Kramer.com.